By way of opening prayer, I'd like to share a, a sonnet by Anglican priest Malcolm Geit, part of uh, his uh, O Antiphon, uh, of the seven O Antiphons that we, um, that actually O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is, is based from. Um, and this is, this came out of actually a, a, a book that was a gift from Father Mark, and, and I've just really found a lot of life in it. It's called Son, uh, Sounds of the Seasons, right, by Malcolm Geit. I wanted to share this with you, um, and I, I invite you to um, close your eyes in prayer or, or fix your eyes um, somewhere here uh, within this space and listen to these words. O come, O come and be our God with us. O long sought witness for a world without O secret seed, O hidden spring of light, come to us, wisdom, come, unspoken name, come, root and key and king and holy flame, O quickened little wick so tightly curled, be folded with us into time and place, unfold for us the mystery of grace, and make a womb of all this wounded world. O heart of heaven beating in the earth, O tiny hope within our hopelessness, come to be born, to bear us to our birth, to touch a dying world with new-made hands, and make these rags of time our swaddling bands. Amen. Did... um. Anyone shop Black Friday, Cyber Monday? No, any Black Friday shoppers? There we go, yeah. Online, of course, right? Because why would you go to a store anymore? Although now Black Friday shopping starts um, weeks before Friday. Um, so I, I had this ordeal. I ordered a gift only to realize after I ordered it that it was the wrong version of the gift. Um, and when I realized this, it wasn't on Amazon, but I immediately logged back in and ordered the correct version and then attempted to cancel the, the first version. And now I would say that I'm, I'm pretty savvy, right, when it comes to navigating um, websites and ordering things online. But I could not, for the life of me, figure out how to cancel the first order. And I, I had the memory of my mother, you know, calling me, you know, when she, um, when she would struggle with things online and how frustrated I would get with her, and I was like, well, here it is, you know, it's, it's started. So um, I immediately sent a support email because it was late at night, and then the next morning I called the company, and, and when I finally spoke to someone, I was told that their ordering system is so efficient that as soon as I hit um, order that a shipping label was printed and, um, and the order was shipped but that they would do me a solid and they would reroute the shipment and, um, and refund my purchase. Sounds good, right? Well, I checked the routing numbers on both shipments, um, the one I wanted and the one I didn't want, and you can probably guess what I, I figured out. So the one that they are sending me is the one that I didn't want, and they stopped the order that I did, and I, and I just don't have it in me to carry anymore. Um, <laughs> just going to go with it. You know, somebody will like it. 
Um, it, it can all just get so stressful this time of year. And, and listen, I know that's a, a very little thing. It really isn't even worthy of being called stressful. Um, maybe I'll end up owning an item I didn't want. But the point is, is that somehow things like this have the tendency to become so much bigger than they really are. They can feel overwhelming, and, and already in a stressful season, they stir up anxiety and stir up stress. And, and of course, for so many of you here this morning, there are much bigger things that you bring into this room with you. You know, deep hurts and loss and things that only seem to increase in intensity this time of year. And, and you would love nothing more than for the most stressful thing in the past couple of weeks to be a botched Black Friday order. But that's why I'm so thankful for this season of Advent. Because I'm, I'm bringing grief, real heavy things, loss, pain, struggle, broken relationships. And I'm bringing the day-to-day little things and mishaps and tiny troubles. And I get the chance to sit with all of them for these four weeks and listen to the promise of God that he will do something about all of it. I mean, I don't know that God is really concerned about online ordering stuff, but he is concerned about the ways in which my heart is burdened under the weight of the little things in life, along with the big. Advent tells us he is concerned, and he's doing something about it, or he's done something about it, and he's doing something about it, and he will do something about it, all of it. If you're new to Advent, there are a few things that I would want you to know. Advent isn't just a fancy countdown to Christmas Day. Sometimes when we hear the word Advent, it's sort of attributed to something like a pre-Christmas time. And it, and it is. I mean, to be fair, it's pre-Christmas in that it's before Christmas. But seasonally, it's much more. Advent, which comes from the Latin word Adventus, meaning arrival, is a season of looking beyond We look beyond the frailty of creation and existence, beyond the broken things, and we look to a promise of renewal, of things once weak becoming strong, of of things broken, mended, of things lost, found, of people gone, alive. We look to Christ who once arrived to usher in his kingdom and who arrives every day in our midst through the Holy Spirit and who will again arrive at a future time to finally and forever reign over a new earth. Now, for some who aren't Christian or who wouldn't call themselves Christian, they would hear this as crazy talk, that this cosmic deity would come to restore all of creation sounds more like a plot to a Marvel movie than it does for anything for us to put our trust in. But where else does our human impulse for, for wrong things to be made right come from? You know, without delving into apologetics here, I would, I would just ask, how else do we understand goodness and love? Did those things simply bubble up inside of us out of nothing? Or are we perhaps made, are we perhaps built with an inherent and indelible understanding of these things, a desire for these things? T.S. Lewis said, if I find in myself desires in which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. We were made for another world. I mean, not like a, a, an alien planet world, not, not another planet in a far-off galaxy, but this world. We were made for this world here. 
except under the authority and full command of the Creator Himself. And so Advent tells us to look ahead, to look beyond, to stay awake, which is, interestingly, the final word spoken by Jesus in today's reading from Mark's Gospel. So if you have your Bible with you, I'd invite you to open up to Mark chapter 13, verse 24. And on the face of it all, Jesus is saying some pretty strange things. Like the sun being darkened and the moon no longer giving light and stars falling, powers in heaven being shaken, the Son of Man coming in the clouds, angels gathering the elect from the four winds. And then as if his disciples implicitly understood all of this, he uses another metaphor of a fig tree uh, to say that just as you can tell by the blooms of a fig tree that summer is approaching, so can you tell with these cosmic signs that the day of the Lord is approaching. And all, all I can offer you is, is just ask Father Mark, right? So we, we just need a, full, we need a full-fledged Father Mark Monday Bible study on this, probably even for a few weeks to parse out all of this imagery and figure out what Jesus is talking. I just changed Mark's study schedule now for the next week. Um, but what I can, I can tell you in our limited time this morning is that Jesus is giving the disciples a broader vision of things to come. Just consider that since he's been in Jerusalem, which started in Mark's gospel back around the middle of chapter 8, that's where we see him uh, arrive in Jerusalem, Jesus has been shocking the disciples with his talk of the end, how he will suffer, that he will be handed over and die. And so what we're seeing here in chapter 13 is this broadening out of, of that vision. He doesn't want them to have such tunnel vision for his own limited time with them that they miss that there is a greater cosmic end that he has in mind. The end of all things. The parousia, the, the return of Christ to bring all things to renewal and to right all that's been made wrong. It's what we refer to in our memorial acclamation of our liturgy, where we say each week that Christ will come again. It's what Peter called the day of God or, or the day of the Lord. And, and interestingly, Jesus seems to know a lot about it, while in the next breath saying, only the Father knows when it will happen. And I, side, kind of as a side note, find that so interesting that there would be knowledge within the triune God that, at least at this point, is available to one and not another, but we'll, let's dig into that another time. Um, what, what I want to point your attention to is the very last word. Um, it's actually in the Greek, it's the very last word in verse 37. It's this verb that's translated in the ESV is stay awake. And, and here's what's interesting. It can also be translated as to be alive. Jesus is giving this command to be fully aware, to have eyes open. And I, I think a lot of us are anything but that. We're not fully awake. We're not fully alive. We're, we're kind of in this haze. And it isn't just that we're not present to the people around us, to our, our spouses and our friends, to, to our children. And there is that. That's one problem. But it's that we're not present to God. 
We're not seeing him. We're not watching. We're not aware of his presence in our midst. We're not alive. And and what Jesus ends with here, more than simply a warning, it's an invitation to reorient our attention to the things of life that are actually keeping us alive. In other words, I would say that we're most alive when we're watching for Christ. And when our attention is pulled elsewhere, it's a kind of death. When we're distracted from this task of preparing for his return, we're becoming less of what we were meant to be. Now, as a, a quick aside, I, I, want, I want to be sure you understand when I talk about his return that I'm not talking about a rapture or some point in the future in which you know, Christians suddenly disappear, like in the Left Behind series, or if you remember uh, Larry Norman's popular song, I Wish We'd All Been Ready, you know, a man and wife asleep in bed, she hears a noise and turns her head, he's gone, you know. I wish we'd all been ready. Scared me to death as a teenager. <laughs> but when we talk about his return, we're talking about, one, what mostly remains a mystery to us. And two, it's a time when Christ will come to renew and rule over all creation. It's a time in which evil finally is no more. Death no longer defines time. And the faithful will enjoy eternal life with Christ. A lot more to be said there, a lot of scripture we could get into, but just a small clarification. So back to what I was saying about watching for Christ, um, I can tell you that for me, when I'm anxious and stressed and overwhelmed, when my heart is beating faster and faster and my brain is working overtime and, and all of the nerves in my body feel on edge, I actually feel less alive. I feel less present. I feel less at peace, less content with my circumstances. I'm less of a nice person. Lynn and my kids can tell you that. Those closest to me can tell you that. And so I would submit to you that we cannot stay awake without slowing down, without tending to the much slower rhythms of following Jesus, slowing down from the frenetic pace of our culture and seeking after the rhythms of heaven. We have to slow down to notice, slow down to grow. We have to slow down to not be caught off guard. In a strange, backwards kind of way, we have to slow down to stay awake. And what we're really talking about here is repentance. Repentance can feel like a churchy word that's loaded with shame, but all that it really means is to move away from something. And in this case, we're talking about moving away, changing our direction, changing our mind from the noise and busyness of life that steals our attention away from Christ, moving away from the things that are hindering our ability to watch. You know, to be awake, to fully see, to be fully present to the real king who's coming. That's, that's why our liturgical colors are purple. Um, this color symbolizes repentance and royalty. Um, Tish Warren has this great little book on Advent in which she says that we adorn the church in purple as a way to say, the king is coming, get ready. Listen to what she says. She says, recalling Jesus' kingship throws into sharp relief the ways we seek to build kingdoms for ourselves the ways we are often disloyal subjects. We live in a world that is busy making false kings. We ourselves are busy making false kings. We want our own way and our own self-worship. And the true king is coming. Gulp. 
get ready. Get ready. Stay awake. So Jesus charged his disciples, stay awake. And that command seems to echo as the last thing uh, in, said in what's known as the Olivet Discourse here. But because what we see happen next is the disciples fail. They fail to do it. And it begins with their wrong-headed sort of indignation at this woman who broke an alabaster jar of perfume and poured it over Jesus. It continues with Judas' decision to betray Jesus. And next, Peter and the others. It's important that remember that it was Peter and the others sat together with Jesus at the Last Supper and claimed that they will not deny and abandon Jesus. And finally, what do we have? But we have Peter, James, and John, who quite literally fall asleep where Jesus had asked them to stay awake with him and pray and keep watch. How feeble and frail is the human will. We seek to do good, but even as our shortcomings are forewarned, we somehow still manage them. And yet the words echo on, keep watch, stay awake. The question for us this morning at the beginning, beginning of Advent is what do we do to stay awake? How do we manage this? And without being prescriptive or at least trying to, um, avoiding trying to give you a formula, here's what I would say. Here's what I would encourage all of us to on this first day of Advent. Forgive. Now, this isn't necessarily where Jesus was going with his discourse here in Mark. It was his trajectory, forgiveness, reconciliation, restoration of all things, of people to God and people to people, person to person. And I'm not sure we can in good conscience with sober hearts and minds keep a faithful watch for Christ without forgiving one another. It's a hard work, a continual work. Hardly ever linear or simple. With it, we often have to exercise a great deal of wisdom and discernment. Especially where difficult and unhealthy relationships are concerned, we, we might need assistance. We might need the help of a counselor. And always through prayer, but the work remains. And, and I'll, I'll admit to you that I have long held bitterness toward a few people in life. Online customer service for Black Friday orders excluded. And particularly since being ordained, I've come to realize with great clarity that I cannot shepherd the church without tending to my own unforgiveness. And in this new year of Christ, in this new Advent, I resolve to you, to dig deeper into that work. And church, we cannot keep a faithful watch as Christ has commanded while having unforgiveness in our hearts. Because the master will return and he's interested less in the words that we've spoken. Not in how Christian we look, not in how many prayer journals we've filled up, revivals we've attended, verses we've memorized, worn our Bibles look but he's interested in the state of our hearts. Now, one of the beautiful parts of our service is the peace. So um, this is less of a meet and greet and more 
in service to the biblically rooted mandate to live in unity and fellowship and mutual love and forgiveness, especially before we make our offerings and approach the table of God at communion. So we read about this very thing, and Jesus talks about this, and we read about it in Matthew 5. And, and so I just want to encourage you, kind of a practical, immediate thing that we can all do here together Probably there aren't the people here today that you need to forgive. Maybe there are. But when we share the peace, hold for a moment in your heart and your mind's eye those with whom you need to be reconciled. And let's begin there this morning. So I know that I need to wrap up, so I'll end with this beautiful quote from Henry Nowen. But we have a promise upon which to base our hope. The promise of his love. So our life can rightly be waiting in expectation, but waiting patiently and with a smile. Then indeed, we shall be really surprised and full of joy and gratitude when he does come. And to this we say, amen.